0: All right, you all good to go? I'm ready if you are. All right, and we're live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of your favorite new podcast, Notable Quotables. Today with me, I have a poet, author, good friend of mine, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining
0: us. You want to give the people a little background about yourself, whatever you'd like to share?
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, My name is Sean. I've been living in Ithaca for almost a decade now, like, uh... We said here, writer, amateur, novice, if you will, Um, used to be a teacher, now I've been working some retail stuff, and I just kind of am interested in the positivity that this podcast put out, so when I got invited, I said, yeah, I'm on board.
0: We're glad you're here. Yes, this man is a teacher, he had the patience to deal with me in my adolescence, I can can see it, it aged him at least a little bit, just dealing with me, I'm sure that's where... So that's where the grays come from. I'm sure I'm responsible. for that. Oh, that's
1: oh, no, that's how I just made. I would just made that joke with another kid in school. Yeah. So yeah, but no, you know those. Are, but look, I think whatever seeds I planted are are growing into this beautiful flower with us here today.
0: Thank you. No, I mean absolutely, man. You were you were definitely somebody who I don't know if I really saw anybody as a mentor at that point, but looking back now, I really do appreciate just your not only your presence in our relationship, but just your presence in the school. I think you really did make it a better place just with your your compassion, your patience, your wisdom, and I just think your overall, you know, sense of who you are, it really did add a lot to the school and to
1: the culture. So, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm right back at you from the other side. Yeah. From the learner, not the learned.
0: Yeah, man. All right. So, you got a couple of quotes for us today. I'm going to go ahead and let you start it off.
1: Okay, yeah, the first one I chose here, I thought this would be a good one, um, kind of knowing who you are and what we've kind of talked about in the world. Um, So my quote, is from Susan Sontag, who is kind of just an activist writer. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know a ton about her. I think this was probably one of those Facebook quotes I scrolled by that kind of just stuck with you. You tuck in a save folder.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, But it's uh, 10% of any population is cruel no matter what, and 10% is merciful no matter what. And the remaining eighty percent can be moved in either direction.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Could you read it one more time yeah. for us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, ten percent of any population is cruel, no matter what, and ten percent is merciful, no matter what, and the remaining eighty percent can be moved in either direction. Susan Sontag. Wow. Yeah, I that was sort of one that um, you know, it kind of strikes you on a lot of levels, honestly. Yeah, for
2: sure. Just
1: just um, you know, taking it face value, just that that idea that there's these ten percent of people who are just like this. I mean, I have always like to use the word pure, pure. Um, you know, mm-hmm. rule all. That's always the choice. That's like the mindset, and then yeah. you have these people who are ten percent merciful. You know, you think of your. Mother Teresa's, whatever, those people that are, like, in this tiny gap. And then there's the rest of us, man. We're, we're part of that 80%. Right,
2: right,
1: right. Um, and, you know, and that's, I'm sure, not, like, a, an exact statistic, like it wasn't a survey that they went <laughs> out and took. But it kind of, <laughs> you know, even if it's metaphorical, really kind of has, has some real meaning. And especially, you know, in times like we are now, where mm-hmm. you can see people get swayed in many directions. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and, you know, it kind of reflects on that. I always think of it's not real science, but it falls into that bell curve, you know, where if like mm-hmm. almost any phenomenon, you have the people that end up, you know, a tiny portion end up here, a tiny portion end up there. Most of us are in that kind of curve in the middle. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we swing both back and forth all the time. You know, I think there's, we're all moved towards cruelty and mercy as just as humans, you know, we're not in any way perfect. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think intrinsically, as a species, we lean more towards one end of the spectrum?
1: Uh, I don't know. You know, I hope that we lean towards mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you think, but then if you look at actual nature, just nature as it is, it's cruel. Yeah. I mean, you watch any of those, watch watch a Discovery <laughs> Channel thing about the animal kingdom. Yeah. You know, 90% of the time, it's it's cruel, it's... It's harsh. Um, you know, yeah. nature itself is, is, could care less who you are, you know. Yeah. There's not. But on the same note, you know, they're, on the other side of that, there's so much nurture. Even if you think of, you know, I watch my cats. I have two cats. Yeah. Sometimes they come up and whoop each other, and, you know, a <laughs> while They come around, and, and they give each other that, you know, that, yeah. that love of affection. Yeah. So I think, I think the swaying is, is the fact that we're not necessarily directed towards one or the other all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, to me, this quote actually a lot speaks to, um, what inspires us to choose one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think throughout the day we're doing both. I mean, you could go yeah. to like, I, I feel like I go to school and, you know, maybe I help kids and that's really merciful, but then I go home and I put a pair of Nikes on, you know, which mm-hmm. by default, the yeah. process is a little cruel, you know what I mean? But these For are sure. the sure. that's that, that. Sometimes you don't have an option, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, or you, you you are swayed one way or another without even thinking about it, you know. Yeah. If you think about uh, food choices, you know, mm. we, we all know, I mean, most of us know at this point, I think our society has been pretty informed of how mm. factory farming and those type of things. Right, that's pretty mainstream are, at this point. Uh, they, those are they're by. Definition cruel, right? You know, yeah. we know
2: that.
1: Well, no. To to get that to get that egg sandwich, to get that, you know, <laughs> yeah. that that. Big, but these are choices we, you know, some of us make because there is no other option, you know. So we, oh yeah, yeah. No matter how nice or how merciful we desire to be, we, there's just sacrifices or choices that you make that have to be. Right. What, what about you? What do you think? Do you, do you feel? I mean, by nature, where do we? Or is it by nurture?
0: Um I think I mean the whole nature nurture argument obviously is one that'll probably go on throughout all of psychology and philosophy for a long time but I I I believe that honestly because, because we are animals I think we're I think we're more prone towards the cruel because nature is cruel because nature doesn't nature is conscious but it doesn't have a conscience you know nature It just, like, a lion doesn't maliciously eat a gazelle. It's just eating. It just, it just does what it does. You know, I mean, I mean, there is, you can see in some animals, there is, like, levels of, like, actually, yeah, so I kind of take that back, I guess, because there are, like, um, examples of genuine, like, cruelty as well to, as well as, like, genuine, like, mercy and, like, love in the animal kingdom on beings that are much less conscious than us. So I guess I actually have to backtrack on my statement. Um, which is, you know, why I do this. It, you know, helps me. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but I, yeah, so I do think as, as animals, we do, we're naturally more prone to cruelty. And I think what a part of what makes us human is that ability to acknowledge and choose, you know, Mm -hmm. um, But, yeah, a big part of that is just being born into, uh, you know, a social environment, a culture, a household where most of your choices are made for you at least until the age of, like, maybe 12, 13. You really get some level of, like, independence. Parents are asking you, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Things like that, giving you some freedom, um, Mm -hmm. which varies culture to culture and stuff. But, you know, regardless, yeah, you grow up. And you just you know monkey see monkey do, and that's that's really all you have.
1: Oh yeah, oh sure. And I mean, even as as men, we know that part of our culture, in a lot of ways, male oh, yeah. culture is to to be fairly cruel to one another. There is not a whole lot of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. childhood reward for you know it's not little Johnny. Oh, go hug your fr-, you know go make five thousand friends. It's it's you want to be the best.
0: Yeah, you know yeah, at no, all costs. Don't, don't. You know. Don't hug your opponent, you know. Don't shake his hand, you know. Or yeah, maybe shake his hand because that's like the agreed upon thing. But don't be friends with your opponent. That's your opponent. That's oh your sure. Enemy. Yeah.
1: And the hand, the handshake is more procedural
0: for the winner. Yeah. Exactly. Know? Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's like, like oh Tom good try, good Tom try. try. Tom Brady shook every
1: one. hand when he won. Yeah. Tom Brady loses, he don't shake a hand.
0: Yeah. 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 And
1: mm-hmm. you know, and there was I have a friend once who said to me, you know, I thought like was it work talking about you know he's on my side mm-hmm. she was like the, he's not on your side he'll step on you as soon as he has the chance because that's just mm-hmm. you know you, you saw so much of what we do is surface level friendship or oh, yeah. you know there, there's it's hard pressed to have a friend that is like mm-hmm. deep and caring and you know compassionate in a way so that's when you say culture and society do those things it's mm-hmm. you know when you think of some of the cruel cruelest people in history they're eight out of 10 probably dudes, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's very true. Very true. So,
1: so even in the sense of role models, you know, who do, mm-hmm. who do we look to and who, you know, I spoke earlier about that concept of inspiration. Yeah. You, know, you think of who inspires you to do really these acts. I am glad you used that word for that exact reason. Yeah. Um, you know, you think of, you know, when you think of mercy, it's mother Teresa. It's, it's mm-hmm. probably your own mother. It's, if, if that's something that you had in your life, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's definitely that, that when we think about who's swaying us and how we're getting swayed, there's so many just swirling things. And then, you know, there also comes a point where, you know, how do we even define mercy? And, you know, what does mercy even really entail? Um, because thinking from a standpoint, you know, we don't really think of it as a strength, right? No, no, we don't. It's considered uh, a weakness. You know, for the most part, you think of it, it's, yeah, something that's not, but when really in, in, in action, it's one of the strongest things you have to be able to do.
0: Yeah, things like mercy, forgiveness, compassion, these things take an enormous amount of strength. It's and, and not everyone can do it. And I think that's part of why it's it's easy as a society to say that these are weaknesses as opposed to strengths because it's not easy for most people to do. So it's easy oh, yeah. for the you know collective ego to be like, well, these aren't strengths. They're weaknesses because I can't readily do them.
1: You know. Sure, and we we hardly—it's especially again speaking from a male perspective—we don't do it for ourselves. Mm. There are so many times that we, you know, the, the cliches were were our own harshest critics.
2: Yeah, you
1: yeah. know. So it's an interesting that you know, or if you think I always think of you know the real acts of mercy are your, your civil disobedience—that is nonviolent mm-hmm. protest. You know.
2: Yeah,
1: because again, you're showing. That's showing mercy to those who are being cruel to you in a way. Mm. You know, and that yeah. to me is is the strongest. That's like that's most of us lack the courage to ever do that.
0: I agree. I think that it's very it's very yeah, again, it's very easy to demonize, you know, those who are in power or who we feel like are oppressing us or hurting us, you know, even on an individual level and especially a societal level. It's very easy to just say, oh, yeah, they're just bad, cruel people. And sometimes a lot of times they are. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, while they may in action often lack humanity, they, they still bleed, you know, just like us, you know, they and it's weird because we'll give ourselves or our neighbors or our friends or family, you know, passes and try to be compassionate towards them. But then these people who maybe have significant amount of power in the world You know, we don't give them the same compassion. And it's like, even... None of these... Most of these people, while they may perform cruel acts, they're not sadistic. Most of them. Some of them absolutely were. um, And commit sadistic acts. But I think in general, 99% of people, I believe, do what they believe to be right. The problem is Uh their beliefs and or their biology lead them towards decisions that just intrinsically are not right
1: okay. yeah totally and this leads me actually to my my little side, side note quote this is a james baldwin neither love nor terror makes one blind indifference makes one blind mm. so i think also that that form of cruelty to repeat it you know it's it's neither love nor terror that makes one blind indifference makes one blind and sometimes that's the biggest form of cruelty yeah it's just that that being indifferent to it and its existence Mm-hmm. You know, that Yeah.
0: That reminds me of a like, uh, Man in the God, Mirror, yeah. Michael Jackson, he says, Who am I pretending not to see them be? You know, it's like it's it's what what nerve I have to pretend to be indifferent. Nobody's really indifferent. They just don't want to think about certain things, you know? And we can't spend our whole lives thinking about the issues, you know, our general day to day, but to pretend that oh I don't care, man, or whatever, I don't care about anything, like all that that, that that BS. It's just it's yeah. It's it's easier, but it yeah. It just leaves you blind because it really does affect you, and it affects someone you care about somewhere down the line. Whatever it is, you know, it affects our future mm-hmm. as a as a as a species.
1: You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and then this one kind of ties to it too. This is my other one, just to jump into it, because mm-hmm. it kind of thinks about this this concept of when we are talking about what is mercy and how do we give it, um, right. this is when I read recently. It's the goody goodies are the thieves of virtue. And that's Confucius. Mm. And then, again, I'll say it because it's a twice as good. To, the goody goodies are the thieves of virtue. So I think there's also that mm. notion when we say, like, how do we define mercy is, are we doing it for the right reason? Mm. Or is it, like, who gets to define it? So it's sometimes an unclearly defined thing. So, like, you know, you think yeah. of that person who's more, like, they think they're being merciful, they think they're being helpful, but really they're kind of being doting or, you know, controlling or...
2: Mm-hmm. Or,
1: like, um, patronizing. There you go. That's the word. That's yeah. the word. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, uh,
0: I kind of took it as... Yeah, yeah. It definitely ties into what we were saying before. I think that... It's, it's also easy to just create a um, a one-size-fits-all, a rule of thumb of always be cruel or always be merciful. You, you should never always do either. You should never have any, any sort of dogma, you know, like always be tolerant, always be kind, always be nice. Always... No, you shouldn't. I mean, being kind is wonderful. Being nice is wonderful. Being compassionate is wonderful. There are times where you have to... Put that all aside because, yeah, just being stuck in that like, oh, I love everybody and everything, you know, mindset, it can cloud your judgment. It can leave you blind to the reality of the situation. If so, having that rule of thumb is not good. If you can recognize the situation for what it really is and maybe contemplate and maybe even take action on a situation In a cruel way, or one that's just not merciful per per se, you know, you don't act out of kindness or compassion or forgiveness, and then you can come to the point of, Well, maybe I was wrong in this scenario. Here's how I could have let it go. Here's how I here's an act of kindness I could have taken. Then that's virtuous, that's moving past your former beliefs and pushing past your own emotions to come to a new a new belief, a new way of seeing things, you know, and you don't even have to act on it. Maybe you can just go through those emotions of I'm I'm angry, I'm upset, whatever, and I want to act this way, but you take time to reflect, which is not easy, and then there's the virtue of going through the motions before passing judgment, before taking action.
1: That's yeah, the virtue, yeah, and like and kind of as we touched on before, that's that's just showing mercy to yourself, accepting, I think like you mm-hmm. said not having that rule of thumb, but kind of accepting that we are both at once, you know, we're not, we're not pure creatures who can be pure, you know, giving all the time. If we give all the time, we have nothing left. Yeah. You know, not, not that you're cruel necessarily to Mm -hmm. recharge the batteries, but you know, accepting that that's just the the sort of state of of being alive is that you do both, you know, you you are so between both because there's only 10% of people on either side that are, are pure for the sense of the word. Yeah, So it's like accepting that as a reality, you know, and, and allowing that to kind of define how you help others and how you treat others, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, um, You know, I think, and this is kind of a deep historical, you know, saying I was a teacher, I was a social studies teacher, knowing history, Right. Um, much of the Southern culture towards slavery was that, considering it merciful, considering it virtuous, because, you know, really? in their own... Well, so in, if you if you look at some of the literature of the time, some yeah. of the things they used to justify slavery was that concept that mm-hmm. we've taken them from the, the, the literal jungle and look at you know oh, yeah, through, right, our, through narrative. the mercy of the plantation system we have right. put clothes on their back we've shown yeah. them the word of god we've you know given yeah. them morals that and these people truly
0: believed it you know again it's easy to demonize them they believed it they truly truly believed it they didn't write it yeah who, i mean who at that point who were they convincing no one but themselves you know it's not like today where people try and paint a historical narrative no it was happening in real time then they truly believed what they were saying
1: oh i mean and then i think it i'm not saying this lives on but in a lot of ways but that that is the sort of the legacy that i think some people probably still hold on to and you know when oh, yeah. when it came to the the civil war was mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because of that concept you know yeah. That And this is, you know, if you think of a lot of the northern abolitionists kind of had the, took the different version, you know, seeing that, freeing them. And a lot of, them, of course, we wanted to send them back to their home country, but that, mm. just that dichotomy of who, who gets, you know, who defines mercy and where, and where does it go wrong sometimes, that concept, or how do we get it convoluted as humans?
2: Right.
1: And then how do we avoid that in our own lives? You know, how do we not be patronizing while being helpful? Mm-hmm. Well, I think in some degree it goes back to that just accepting and thinking about our situations.
0: Yeah i I think something I was thinking about today actually kind of when I was thinking about things I wanted to talk about on the podcast. I think that the like merciful thing and patronizing. I think that's a very important thing to kind of distinguish. I think a big, I think a very important thing in all relationships, especially intimate relationships, because there's a huge um, potential for things like codependency in very intimate relationships. Um, and so I think that there's a big difference between taking care of someone and helping them take care of themselves. I think that everyone needs to take care of themselves. And the reason, one of the many reasons we have friends and family and intimate partners is to help us carry our burdens, you know, is to help us take care of ourselves you know, oh, I, you know, I'm not feeling great. Hey, can you can you watch the kids? Can you can you know, can you mow the lawn? Can you take care of some of the household duties, you know, so that I can take time to take care of myself? Or hey, I'm not feeling great. Can we just talk? Can I lay with you? You know, can you distract me? Can we go do something silly? Having people around to help you take action in your own life is what's important, you know,
1: Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And that, I mean, that goes back to being merciful to yourself to saying, you know, I'm not Superman. I mean, you think of so yeah. many, like you said, especially in that family situation, how many moms have that, that S on their chest where they're just,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, again, going back to kind of our societal things, that's what we expect out of them, you know, yeah. Yeah. to, to the, what defines the role of a mother is, is mm-hmm. mildly insane, you know, in a way it's, it's so much, yeah. it's, it's it's a huge burden. Sometimes obviously some people embrace it and it works great, but like mm-hmm. what we ask of them is a lot. Yeah, um, I because think that's what we expect are. from them. We expect them to be the merciful, the provider, the giver, the ones who have that sort of mm-hmm. depth genetically. I guess for you know some of our convolutions. Yeah. Um, but like you said and that is what and that's kind of what has always like when you said as me as a teacher some of the things you described there are some of the things that I've tried to do is to be that support to people, mm-hmm. you know um, And I'll sprinkle in one more quote here since I had it um, This was just a I don't know. I'm not, I'll mispronounce the name, but it was another scrolly one on yeah. Facebook It was question. How do we treat others the answer from this Romana Maharishi? There are no others Mm. it's like you know how yeah. do we treat others well there are no others you yeah. treat them as an extension of yourself and I think that's a lot right. what you described with that partnership idea mm. is you know the true partnership is really I mean it's kind of corny but you're, you're really creating one out of two in a way mm. you know when it, mm. when it vibes in that perfect way there is you know your partner will either predict what you need or in a trusting relationship you feel comfortable asking for what you need
2: right
1: which to flip it back to the male side is often something we struggle to do mm-hmm. is to actually put down our guard and say I don't think I can do XYZ right you know because as much as there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of expectations on us too you know as that stereotypical right. provider no matter what
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know Bob goes out to the business world and does cruel things all day you know mm-hmm. he's a stockbroker who cuts people out and does this or that but, you yeah. know, hey, that's what he's got to do. That's, that's that's
0: what he's got to do, and then he's going to come home and hug and kiss his wife and kids. You know, like nothing happens. You
1: know? Right, and 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 we'll celebrate him for that. You yeah. know, that's the narrative that we have here. That, and again, that goes back to kind of the, the working world, which is a male oriented world, which is again kind of cruel by nature.
2: Yeah.
1: you even think of sports stars? There's, you know, as mm-hmm. much as I love sports, a lot of times I feel like athletics and and the way it's portrayed is ends up with dudes just being cruel to each other. You know, I think even, oh. not to dip, dip too far into it, but, I mean, yeah. even, like, LeBron's having a meltdown right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, he's, he's losing it. <laughs> or, or, I mean, it, even if you think about Michael yeah. Jordan, I mean, everybody said oh, to, oh to be his teammate was essentially to go through live it. in fear of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and, and he's, he's celebrated for that. Again, yeah, these oh, people yeah. are celebrated in, for it. And I think there is some level, I do, I I believe there, they should be allowed some level of leniency because we do have to acknowledge the nature of what they do for a living, uh, especially to be at the best of the best in the, the arenas that they do, because what they do is competitive, physical, I'm talking about athletes in general, but especially the more physical ones, what they do is it's competitive, it's physical. And I mean, yeah, a lot of people try and downplay it. Oh, it's just a game. Okay, sure. This is how they feed their families. We have, to, we have to remember that this – for them, and for a lot of athletes, they – it was survival for them. It may have been their only way. out. Oh, yeah. Um, and embracing that uh, more aggressive side of them and to some level, and which can get to a point of cruelty and anger and things like that, that's – for a lot of them, it's part of what allows them to do what they do. Yeah, you know, to – to not just go out there and want to be the best they can, but also to prove, no, I'm better than you. No, I want to put you down. No, I want to make you feel bad. I want to leave a mark on you psychologically. It can. It's a. It's a very. It's. It's hard for the average person to think about. Like, how, you know, how could you want to do that? But it's. It's a whole different mindset. But it's. It's. Yeah, it's not something you want to see in everyday life, especially not in leaders. You know, per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, we do we transfer a lot of our, our war warrior concepts onto athletes. You know, those kind yeah, of things I that mean, you just described. I believe
0: they really are to take physical punishment, even in things that aren't super physical, like maybe like baseball. Like they still they're using their bodies. You know, they're, at the end of their careers, they really really
1: use them. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah, and that's what we expect out of them. I mean, dangerous. you think of any football player who says I have a concussion. What the general reaction is? Sorry, bro. Get back out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. or I mean, imagine dudes like. Tearing their, their ACL multiple times, always had you know five knee surgeries throughout his career. I'm sorry, I have never torn my ACL. I would imagine if that happened to me once, I'd be like, yeah, that's it. You know, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. been great. I made more than enough. You know, I'll I'll be on the sidelines from now on, calling the games. Right. Yeah.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: So they they really are warriors in a lot of sense. So I think it it's very important oh, yeah. to remember that. Totally.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's that's
0: that's what we expect out of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll throw Ooh. my quote in there. I actually right, I also have one from uh, James Baldwin. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's one I haven't, I just, I don't remember where I saw it actually, but um, it's one I haven't necessarily dissected a whole lot in my brain, so I'm kind of excited actually to like do it now in real time. I just, I wrote it down when and wherever I I heard it. So he says, Many of them, indeed, know better. But as you will discover, people find it very difficult to act on what they know. To act is to be committed. And to be committed is to be in danger. I'll give it one more time. Yeah, yeah. Many of them, indeed, know better. But as you will discover, people find it very difficult to act on what they know. To act is to be committed. To be committed is to be in danger. James
1: Baldwin. Yeah, that's a great one. Shout out to English Seminar.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great one. That's I think that is one that I personally carry around with me. Um, it, it really thinks to me that, to, to relate it to what we're talking about now, but to also unpack mm-hmm. it, is that concept, again, thinking of, of your nonviolent protests, of your standing up to those who are cruel. It's mm-hmm. to go against the flow, you know, that's to act to act in a way that maybe is different. Yeah. Is to be committed to that. And once mm-hmm. people see that you're committed to that, then if they don't like it, I mean, they're coming for you.
0: Yeah, you. you one put way I see it. in the way. You know, in the line of fire. Anytime you, if you take a stand on anything, you know, no matter what it is, chocolate versus vanilla ice cream. You've now opened yourself up to a whole world of people who are on the other side of that. Um, and the beautiful thing is that, you know, people are very passionate you know, and, and often very compassionate, and we, I think, yeah, being, I like the way you puts that to, to act, or, what was it, what was it exactly, the, the last couple of lines?
1: Oh, well, I mean, to, to act, to be, to, to act is to be committed, to, to like, to go against the flow, yeah, to, 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 to do to anything, being, you know, yeah. if you think about, we're all, you know, there, we all know that there's the, the box, Right. Yes, and anytime. I mean, you like you started with the vanilla versus chocolate, but you can elevate that up to the, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about someone who is trans, you know, mm-hmm. what that to be committed to that right. in a social thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's to put you in danger.
0: Yeah, But yes.
1: and and, 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 and the, the worst part being most of us, and the hardest part is even to get to that commitment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you could if you go into a room of chocolate lovers and you know you love vanilla, mm-hmm. you might just be like, yeah, I love chocolate, man.
0: Yeah, it's easy.
1: Because it's, it's easy. It's right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so that to the more you notch that up, the more it becomes, like, such a powerful quote.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, to be honest, like, at, and where I've had work positions where I've had to, you know, stand up for the the person. And it, I had to stand up knowing that, like, yeah. this might put my job in danger. You know, I mean, that's why we yeah. have all these laws to protect us mm-hmm. from, you know, retaliation and all of these things. But, like... Right. You you even know at school, you were a person who who was strong enough to stand up Mm -hmm. to a bunch of different things, whether, I I can't give a specific example, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I always saw you as someone who was willing to make that commitment, even in spite of the danger.
0: uh, Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. and, And I did, and I still, I feel like that's still me. I don't, I think I put myself in those scenarios much less now, being an adult. Um, just kind of knowing when I'm going to get somewhere with a conversation, uh, you know, and kind of deciding what I want to give my energy to. But anytime where I feel like I'm in a position where taking a stand is important, I do, you know, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you saw, it It didn't matter to me whether it it was my peers or faculty or whoever, you know, it's, if I feel like we're, we're at an impasse and i I've we believe in very strongly whatever it is I believe in. Then I'm going to I'm going to speak on that. And I'm going to stand by it. And you know, if after reflection later I'm like, hey, I was I was in the wrong, or hey, I still think you're in the wrong, I'm gonna be authentic about it. You know, regardless. And I think that that's that's really important for us to do as people. You know, oh, yeah, you yeah. stand by oh, what totally I mean, as much as yeah. I might want someone to believe in what I believe is right, I always want people to act on what they believe is right.
1: Right, and And I think that goes back to the original quote of how people are swayed. Yeah, we are swayed by other people who are committed. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know what gives someone? What gives that vanilla? Maybe there's another vanilla lover in that chocolate room who -hmm. who's been hiding it too. Yeah, and you know, you go in there and you say, you know what? I don't care if nine out of ten people love it. Yeah, I love it, and then they get that person goes, hey, you know what? That's me. I kind of dig that too, and that and that speaks to the concept of. Um, you know, one of the biggest forms of oppression is invisibility. Yeah. You know, so to have people, you have to have people who are willing to take on that danger to, to make a movement or to, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, concepts like this, we've talked about, like, showing mercy or inspiring others to do it. It mm-hmm. takes that commitment. I mean, like, even your podcast here, this is mm-hmm. a commitment to you. You've committed. It's on the internet. It's, you know, you can't, yeah. I mean, you can take it back, but whatever is done is done you yeah, know it's you, out like there. you said you you probably spent months thinking about it should i do it you know what are the what if like you said what are the what ifs and about a year changes.
0: yeah actually about a year coming, in that space you, you,
1: yeah and i i feel the same way about my writing you know mm-hmm. i have so many things i've written that i just don't have the courage to share or mm-hmm. you know because when you share it you've committed to it and then you're in danger of whatever it might be you know we, we've already kind of spoke on the elevation of why, what the danger might be right you know obviously it's the danger is my own sensitivity to criticism or mm-hmm. somebody not liking it or whatever it might be yeah um but, but going back to like civil rights protests you know mm-hmm. to those kids that sat at the lunch counters committed themselves to it and accepted a whole lot of danger i mean some yeah. death even
0: yeah yeah i mean the, the the danger aspect i mean there's the there's the societal aspects you know of like being an outcast or being ridiculed or you know things like that but there is still, very much so today, there is even just just opinions can be di- dangerous. It can threaten your, your, I mean, it can bring about people who are very um, extremists who may want to physically harm someone, literally just for their opinion. There's that. But there is also kind of like you talked about, like, with the job thing, like, maybe standing up for something or saying something may not get you directly fired, but... It could change the narrative about somebody to where you start looking around for jobs, and people are like, well, you know, yeah, we'll consider you, but they heard from so and so that you know, Sean supports or doesn't support so and so, and we're not going to bring him on board. You know, there, there, there's that, and I think that happens all the time still. Oh yeah, um,
1: and, and and that's why you know, allyship is you have some alliance. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? By default, yeah. I have an alliance with white hetero males. Yeah, they will look at me. They will maybe. I guess I don't look super hetero all the time, but they will look (laughs) at me and say, "This he's, you know, he's with us." They'll look at you and say, "You're part of this." They will look at a woman and say, "She's in alliance with all the other women." Yeah. So when you when you step to cross that line, you know, Mm. especially as men, we know this. When you step across that line, Mm. you've turned your back on this unspoken alliance, and that's that's the commitment, and that's the danger. Yeah. And that's why we often avoid those scenarios. You know, we stay quiet. You know, five out of you know, nine out of ten people are bystanders. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah. being an upstander is rare because because of all these things we've said of the danger of it. You mm-hmm. know, and that's but that's how you make progress. I mean, there has to be that that one person who stands up and and says this is what's right or this is what needs to change and. Again, that's what gets the people to march behind them in a way.
0: Yeah, it creates that, that snowball effect. It's like you were saying how, you know, if that that vanilla lover goes into the chocolate room and they're like, you know, I, I like vanilla. And then someone else stands up and it's like, you know what? Actually, I've been hiding it. I like vanilla too. A lot of times, you know, maybe eight out of 10 of those people actually like vanilla, but they never have the courage to say something. And maybe they still never will, but they might quietly support vanilla, you know, which is, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's progress, you know. And again, and I, I don't want to, you know, shame people who maybe aren't as vocal or aren't as active, you know, in terms of support or anything, because again, like it is, it is tough. It is scary. It it involves risks. And I think that there's many, many ways to support whatever it is you want to support. You know, you could never speak out about, you know, like, let's say like, you know, social injustice, but you know, nobody might know that you donate thousands of dollars every year to specific causes or things like that, you know, and you know, if that's your way of giving, that's what you're comfortable with, then people should just appreciate the support in whatever form it comes, you know.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, totally, no, that's great, and that's super important not to shine the spotlight just on the people who are standing up in front being vocal, because there are so many subtle ways, and you know, mm-hmm. then there are people, they will come to you in secret and be like, hey, I never had the courage to say that, I appreciate Mm-hmm. I've been talking this you know XYZ quietly myself and again you see where that network is um, right. you know and then there's a, in that vanilla chocolate room then there's probably one person who loves strawberry yeah, and right, then are like right. you know what this is this is my time the, the door has been opened yeah
0: yeah that, that's a that's a very very good point yeah I think that yeah just having the door open for conversation you know it's you start to realize there's so much more we, yeah, we get very caught up in like dichotomy, you know, in, in, in our society. And I think, honestly, in, as a people, I think we get very caught up in that, you know, the black and white thing. Well, I don't think it's, just, sure, it's yeah. just a societal thing here in the States.
1: Oh, no. No, I mean, it's, it's we live in a good versus evil society. That, yeah. there, there is the, the middle ground, you yeah. know, there's the cruel, mercy there's the mercy. merciful. There's, yeah, no, totally. We, that is absolutely how we live. I mean, that's, and that's kind of where I love, you know, you've dubbed into this sort of Eastern thought or more of those where there is a lot of gray areas. Yeah, you know other cultures, or if you think of you know, um, even when I said you know we are both merciful and cruel at the same time, mm-hmm. like accepting that is yeah. kind of going against the grain of the good. This character, you know, and I think we see it a lot more in movies today where you have characters who are mm-hmm. balancing that line between good and evil. Yeah, you know, I mean I don't love Breaking Bad, but you watch that show and there's that point. where, is this guy a hero or is he not? You know, as That's a cultural a great standpoint. Point.
0: I was reading a book earlier kind of talking about this, like uh, the show Dexter. Have you seen it or heard of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not like huge fan, but I know of
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. But just like the, the idea like, okay, guy's a serial killer, but he's killing people who are negatively and maliciously contributing to society. So it's like good guy, bad guy, anti-hero, hero, you know, it's, and I'm sure some people are very much like, no, he's killing people. That's wrong. I and mean, then I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like, nobody's well, killing bad guys. Of course, it's okay. And there's the other 80 percent who are like, well, I don't know. You know, it's, it's it is a gray area. I think it's 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 easier to just be like, no, it's wrong. Okay, it's right. But there's it raises a lot of questions, and it, and it takes into consideration how you know what kind of morals and values we have.
1: You know? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's it's we don't like things that aren't closed books. You know, we want that happy ending. Mm-hmm. We want it. To, we don't like yeah. imperfection. You know, we love things that are pure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want our hurt, our hero to be purely good, and we want our mm-hmm. villain to be purely evil because then it makes it easy. Right. You know, it makes it it something more than humans because humans are by nature fraught with. Things and, and when, again, going back to the original idea, one of the best things we can do, and that's why we need to be merciful to ourselves because we, like you mm. said, we're not, we're animals, we're, we're slightly above some in our ability to self reflect and yeah. uh, see our, our, our role as uh, cultivators or what's it, stewards. You know, mm. you can see that, but at the same time, you know, even, you know, I don't really, I've kind of gone to a plant based living, in the, but there's that notion that you're still killing plants. Yeah. you know yeah but that's again that there's because there's no escaping it you know that even mm. if you think economically there's always opportunity cost you know nothing oh, sure. is without yeah. without some depletion of resource
0: everything there's always sacrifice in some way
1: yeah totally yeah. yes so i'm going to throw one more baldwin quote since it's we kind of got on this subject and it's from that same same piece that you read from
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and this kind of speaks to that concept of um, standing up or um, finding inspiration on how to do good acts or merciful acts. Right. Um, and this is specifically about America here. He says, For this is your home, my friend. Do not be driven from it. Great people have done great things here and will again. So I'll read it again. For this is your home, my friend. Do not be driven from it. Great men have done great things here and will and will again. Didn't he move to France? Paul. He did, but then I think that was part of what, well, but I, I he did know, because... I'm just, I'm just poking yeah, for it. Yeah, and, but And purely for the writing, though, because yeah. he needed yeah. to have that experience mm-hmm. that, you know, you, it's like when you don't see yourself until you step out of and look at it from a different perspective. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, travel, everybody says travel is one of the hugest ways. I mean, again, being Americans, we're often so ignorant of our own culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the people like you and shows like this really dissect our culture, but you've got a lot of people who just assume everybody thinks like we do.
0: its I don't um, remember the exact percentage, but an astounding amount of Americans have never left their home state. And unless uh, yeah. like, it's like travel culture and stuff, there's so many people who just, maybe you never even leave their hometown, you know. But, oh,
1: yeah. 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 Oh, and I mean, one of the biggest things when you have... I guess the diversity interactions that go bad is when people don't recognize culture. You know, they don't see it in themselves, so they're completely mm-hmm. unable to see it in others. Right. Yeah. You know, if you lack a self-awareness of what of what mainstream American culture is, you just assume everybody's kind of doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. thinking the way you think about it. I mean, I always like to go back to the question, who invented rock and roll? That will right there tell you what culture you subscribe to. Right your mainstream Americans going to say Elvis, right? Cut and dried. That's, that's my culture tells me that Elvis invented rock and roll and you, right. you can have other cultures who will say, well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Like it was, there was a whole history of Southern musicians that were, that he kind of, mm-hmm. for lack of, or just for ease, stole the music from yeah. yeah. Like that's where rock and roll came to your culture.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, but to, your to, to me, I, I remember actually asked that in a classroom, and it, it kind of went it went downhill quick. There was a pretty heated argument where people did not want to see eye to eye on that, and I was just like, yeah. "Well, historically speaking, it was not Elvis." Like it, <laughs> the facts. <laughs> right. Right. The facts will show you. Hmm. Um, but that, but that speaks to, to how you know cultures shape us and and how we think about the world.
0: Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's important you put it that way. How how it shapes us because it does. I think that's a big part of it. It's not like people are just you know, hung up on facts or non facts. It's their culture is a part of who they are, you know, so it's a part of their self-identity, you know, and so to to question that is to challenge that is to make them question you know, part of their identity. It it, it it may not seem like it's about them, but it, it affects their their ego. Um, and not that they have to be an egotistical person or anything. It just anytime you present somebody with new or challenging information it, it yet forces them to reflect on that, and I think that can force even more reflection. It's like you start kind of chipping away at the, the image they have of the world, and they really okay. don't want it to shatter. They don't want to have to rebuild oh, yeah. it.
1: No, I think they've actually. I don't. Know, I don't know if it's like totally scientifically proven, but they say your your instant reaction is to double down on your original belief yep. when confronted with I, something different. But that. That, that your your instant reaction is like to forcefully push that away and reinforce what you thought right? cognitive dissonance I believe is the phrase
0: yeah I mean I I think I, I recognize that I did that at a younger age and I kind of had to like laugh at myself about it like when I hear something that's that, that's like not sure yeah like hits my ego I'm like no 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 fucking way no way <laughs> All right, it might be true, but I don't want to talk about it right now. Like I'll, I'm like knowing I'll reflect on it, but like I know I'm gonna have that initial m- emotional reaction. So it's just like, why not just accept it, get it out of the way, and you know, just kind of get over it? It's because it is it's natural. It's natural.
1: It is, and, and well, and you kind of put that like it's an easy thing. For a lot of people, they never make it past that. They yeah. don't even acknowledge the emotion. Like yeah. I said, I mean, I've seen in, from hearing these podcasts, you've done a lot of personal work to be able to. Mm see it acknowledge it and then like you said take that minute there's a lot of people who will never make it past that first phase yeah cuz they don't you know you have a lot of people who won't even acknowledge emotions in the first place
0: it's uh yeah no it's, it's it's not easy but you know a lot of it obviously is for just like personal growth but it also is to it's to be able to do things like this like to to be able to connect with more people and help Right. Reestablish our, our our connection as a people. When you look at most of the problems we have in the world, is because we have this illusion that we're separate, you know. And and I think that conversations like this and getting different perspective, which we really is really really important. Just, it just it it's I think it's the medicine for the sickness of you know today's society.
1: Oh know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because ultimately you're going to end up in a community, but it's where we can really have our communities overlap and be merciful and kind to each other. Right. Because there's always going to be, a, you're going to have to draw a line in the sand every once in a while, to, whether it's chocolate mm-hmm. versus vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's So you're going to have different opinions based on people's life perspectives or experiences. Yeah. And like the yeah. hardest part is, is making that part. Okay. Is being able to figure out what it needs to, to kind of navigate that, how that works you know that's why we end up with nations and countries and states because ultimately we say you know yeah. or if you go back to and i'm not not waxing like i'm some native american expert but that's how you end up with tribes right and you know my basic understanding in bear clan we do this in turtle clan we do that mm-hmm. um, ultimately both of those might be and again i'm really I, I apologize to the community at large but we're both iroquois you know yeah. we have this overarching thing yeah yeah um but within those things, we have variations. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. I'm a basketball fan, but I really love the Knicks or whatever, you know.
2: Right. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. You know, you
1: have to have that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's when it turns to cruelty, you know, when they come to town and you smash their bus because, you know, you lost the game. That's where right. it, it. we lose track of, uh, you know, maybe get too into it. And we lose track of self and, uh, and of others. You know, they become mm-hmm. the other. Yeah. Yeah. you know you've gone past a love of basketball for a love for whatever it might be trashing things or a love of feeding into your own anger and own mm-hmm. testosterone fuel wanting victory
0: thing. Yeah I agree um, I think kind of tying into what we were talking about earlier with the athletes like one thing that like LeBron is you know like heavily criticized for and honestly a lot by like older fans is his embracing of his competitors of the younger generation, his willingness to be like to acknowledge the success and accomplishments of people who maybe you know just beat him right then and there like you know I'm being genuinely happy for them because it's everyone else will have this mindset of like no, it's you versus them he's like no this is you know in terms of you know that, that 48 minutes yeah it's me versus them as soon as that buzzer goes, we go back to just, we're, we're people. We're people who have a yeah. job to do, you know?
1: Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, by definition, try, attempting to be the greatest of all time
0: mm-hmm.
1: is saying you care nothing more than being separate.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's separating like yourself. Like, your whole, or
1: your you whole goal is to be the, the most separated by all yeah, of these accolades or like, whatever
0: it might it's be. It's within those four lines. It's when it comes to me and you, you're here, I'm way up here in terms of basketball. But as human beings, we're right here, you know, where, and, and we have to remember that. And I think that's, that's where we get confused and conflated sometimes. Like, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the tries versus like, we're both Iroquois, you know, the Knicks versus just enjoying basketball. That's very important because we just keep, keep creating these like subsections and sub genres, you know, where we, and it, and it can be great because if it's used in a positive manner, if it's like. Oh, okay, yeah, well, I, I really like basketball. Oh, you like basketball? I like basketball, too. What team do you like? I like the Knicks. Oh, I like the Knicks, too. Da, da. Who was your favorite player? Oh, Patrick Ewing. oh, me, too. And you can keep getting smaller and smaller and connect oh, more, yeah. or you can get smaller and smaller and disconnect more.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why they wear uniforms. You've, mm-hmm. you've taken away that, that separation. I mean, yeah. that's what's when you look in a crowd and everyone's wearing orange and blue. There's That's, yeah. what that's part of the vibe. That's, that's why unity. you love team, because you look at these other people and you go, those are my people.
0: Yeah. 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 Which, which is, it's again, that's, that's humanistic. We, we want to do that. That's natural. You know, it's, Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 tri- it's tribal. It's cultural. It's, it's very important in a lot of ways. You know, I think if we can yeah. get to a point of just doing that and, you know, still just acknowledging that people on the other side are still people, then I think we've reached a great place
1: oh yeah totally and and they think they are just as right as you are and yeah. acknowledging that and being at peace with it you know it's, it's sort of that agree to disagree yeah it's sort of cliche but there's there's that point again where nick's fans are here and you fans are there and, and hopefully we keep it peaceful because that's ultimately yeah. what's going to be best for everybody yeah which kind of leaves me i don't know i know we're probably hitting towards the mark here at my poem Kind of speaks to that, so I don't know if maybe this is a good time.
0: Yeah, no, this would be a perfect way to close it out. Please, some original material.
1: Okay, cool. So um, I might have had a title for this, but I don't don't have it with me. So I'll just read it. Okay, and I'll read it twice, I guess. That's what John Raymond always said: once for just to take it in, and once for the words. Absolutely. All right. Take a hard look at yourself. If humanity was a letter grade, would you pass? If community surrounded you, would yours stand with open arms? or simply point you towards the road? If all labor was voluntary, would you still work only for the weekend? Punch a time clock and beg for promotions? Take a a deep look in yourself. Are you merely asking others for the change you wish, or using every breath out there making it? So take a hard look at yourself. If humanity was a letter grade, would you pass? If community surrounded you, would yours stand with open arms or simply point you towards the road? If all labor was voluntary, would you still work only for the weekend, punch a time clock, and beg for promotions? Take a deep look in yourself. Are you merely asking others for the change you wish, or are you using every breath out there making it? By Sean McKean. Beautiful, man. Beautiful.
0: Thank you. I really, I really love that. What do you? What do you feel like inspired that?
1: Uh, Well, it's actually a collection. It's a, I'll just say, I'll go for it. It's a little collection of po— It's called Poems for the Country I Love. Mm -hmm. Or it's poorly written poetry for the country I love, is the full title. Um, That one just kind of inspired me because, you know, there's always that, again, thinking of being your own harshest critic, it's kind of that self reflection Mm -hmm. of not only what are you doing, what do you stand for, you know, who are you placing. If you don't like who you stand, what you stand for, where are you placing that? You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of just like a short, self-reflective one of those that allows the reader to kind of to figure it out for themselves, I guess. You know, because you could read that and say, "Yeah, my community loves me," or it might take you a pause and be like, "Man, would they love me?"
2: Right.
1: You know, what are they? Are there open arms, or would they point me towards the road? And sometimes I think, well, what what communities would welcome me and what ones wouldn't? Because there's no, there's a point where not everyone's going to welcome you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of that was kind of the inspiration, and just that it felt like it was short and kind of powerful. Um, and I think it starts the beginning, so it's kind of that opening thought about like, you know, what is you what, what where are you in this country, and like where as far as right who who your people are, and what do you think about? I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, yeah, it was. It definitely was powerful. I really, it really resonated with me. That's gonna stick
1: with me. Um, Alright, maybe I'll send you a copy of the poet's poems.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Yes, please do. Please do. Okay.
1: Shameless self-promotion.
0: No, I mean that's. I I want everyone. I want to have lots of writers and everything on here. I want to get into people's own stuff. I want them to promote their stuff because, you know, it's. Again, yeah, I know, so I really appreciate you and I want to applaud you for sharing some of your own material because that's not always easy, you know, even for people who, who do it on the regularly, people who are famous for doing it, it still may never be easy for them. They just, you, every single time, they have to muster up the courage to do it. And, yes, and
1: I, it's, it's very therapeutic writing, so it's not always yeah. like, not doing it for an audience, Bob, other than myself, Right. I guess.
0: Well, that, that you know? that's the best writing, and that's what makes it, the writing that people need to hear because you're doing it for yourself. is coming from such a genuine, authentic place that it's going to have to be great writing, you know, I believe.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad. Think, thank you for giving me a, a platform to share. And this is that kind of commitment, you know, that's that putting it out there, being ready for whatever, wherever it goes, good, bad, or otherwise.
0: Absolutely. Um, one thing, I mean, it was all great. The thing that really stuck in my head uh, that I want to go over, because it, it 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 asks a question that I've been asking myself honestly since like the pandemic started. The idea of like if all labor was voluntary, what you know you, you said you know would you still work for the weekend for promotion things like that? I think that's a very important intrinsic question people need to ask themselves. And I think unfortunately, while we're getting to a point where people are beginning to ask that question. For a lot of people, they feel like it's it's so late in their lives that it becomes this whole process of kind of, yeah, having to like rebuild what you value, your whole value system and you have to do all this soul searching, which is it's beautiful. I mean, it's an amazing, I think, privilege to be, to just even to get to that point of consciousness and to go through that whole process. It's not easy. It's not fun. But it's, I think it's a privilege to even get there. Um, obviously, it would be better if people could have that perspective before they maybe... Commit to a certain lifestyle, but you know everyone's on their own journey. Right. But I think just oh, yeah. the question of like, if all labor was voluntary, what would people get up and do every day? What what, what would right. we do as people? It, you know, I think that I think that we saw for you know a lot of people like when they got the unemployment, it's like eh, I'm just gonna sit at home. I need to get a job. And oh yeah, yeah. I think and I think that created a whole dichotomy and everything. Obviously, uh, my perspective was like. I get both sides of it, but I think I understand. If you if you were doing something every day, probably forty hours a week, regardless of the pay, and you don't have to do it, and you're not excited about going back and doing it, why would you? If you if you have the opportunity to have your needs met, to be able to spend time with friends and family and on you know hobbies, whatever, if whatever you were getting up to do to bring in income wasn't intrinsically adding value to your life in a way that you you're you're missing it, you're thriving to go back to it, screw it. Right. Screw screw it. Like I think we need to ask ourselves as a people, like, what what is essential in terms of where we're going as a culture? You know, teachers,
1: doctors. doctors. I think it's been a crazy turning point in history where people are looking at that in a huge way. And that's one of the things that, you know, as much as when things fall apart that's an opportunity to rebuild you know Mm. from the from the ashes rises the phoenix like that's yeah everything is cyclical you know we're in Mm -hmm. spring right now spring is the rebirth of of everything that died over the fall and the winter you know
2: right
1: it's it's there's there's embracing it and there's accepting it or there's fighting it and you know Mm. i'm glad that you're embracing it and i'm in that too right now so
0: i I like to think i am yeah um I, honestly i feel like trying to fight it it's just it, it just doesn't work you know
1: yeah well you know there's some point where it's you can lay down plans but there there's no promises man the future isn't promised tomorrow so it's it's
0: yeah
1: uh, and this is a cool one more quote it's, you know it's why it's better to be a uh warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war
0: Yes, yes. I forget where I heard it it was on. um, Yeah, I've seen that one around. Yeah, but I I love that one. Um,
1: Because you just got to be prepared for whatever's coming, you know?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You have to have that ability in you. Be
1: be merciful with yourself, love yourself, and and be prepared that change is the only constant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. All right, my man. It's been a real pleasure. I'm glad we could wax intellectual here um keep the podcast going
0: yeah thank you man thank you so much for joining us i really appreciate you um yeah do, do you have any any promotion you want to do for yourself
1: oh man no i don't have no no shout outs i guess you know if I'll, I'll share my poetry with you if you want to put it out there um no i got nothing man i'm just here just happy to support this podcast i think you're putting positivity out in the world mm-hmm. and when you asked me to be part of it you know i said i, I absolutely man it's it's a good thing and just keep it rolling i'll give you a shout out rather than myself selfless as, always. <laughs> as um, always no for real like i mean i'm glad you glad you're here you're doing it and if you ever want me to come back sometime it keeps going i'll love it
0: we'll definitely have you back on definitely all right all right thank you man i appreciate you so much have a wonderful night everybody thanks for tuning in all right peace brother bye son later bye.